Hello and welcome to Multiverse of Marketing. I am Crash and Burn, and with me as always is J.R. Sweeney. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Ah, I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm fine. I am excited. Excited? That That's definitely... Well, you know, it's, it's nice that someone in the history of this property is excited for it. Well, you know, it's it's just a fun little curiosity. Uh, and I love it more than is probably deserved. I recognize that fact. I mean, it definitely goes far harder than it has any right to. Yeah, we'll get into this, but I think ultimately the only things that hamper this comic are things that are sort of endemic to the toy line. But yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it, exactly. This this comic, as a comic itself, theoretically is sound, capable. Everything else went wrong. This is 1984's Starriors by Marvel. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> the thing is, this there's a case to be made that it should be pronounced Starriors. Because warriors, I mean, I I can understand that it works better. Storyers, it they're not even like from the stars. They're very no. specifically of Earth. Yeah, they don't leave Earth. And yeah, storyers, it, it it makes sense, but the spelling, I the, yeah, the goddamn spelling of it all, and and that that's an aspect of like why this fails. That's a great concept. I can completely see how it should work. And then it doesn't. Well, yeah. To begin with, Starriers is an offshoot of Zoids. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Zoids, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a mech property. Uh, there was a period of time where they got somewhat big in the U.S., like in the late 90s early 2000s i remember buying a zoids model kit because they had they had the model kits you could build and they were motorized so that they would walk and shit and it was cool i mean it was cool i never got as big into that as i did say gundam but zoids is a whole thing there's different there's different series and stuff like that. I don't know anything about it. What I do know is Starriers started as a subline of Zoids, which is actually why they they have to do this really tortured thing in the comic where it's like their control circuits, which are basically their brains, are in the shapes of little people in order to remind them of the human beings that created them but in terms of the actual toys it was just because they're zoids toys yeah because that's the pilot right it's, uh, but in this we have to go that extra step and be like well no they're robots that's their brain their brain is just shaped like a person which that's horrifying <laughs> Oh, it's entirely horrifying. And there are many elements of the resulting book to spice up this toy line that is straight out of 
some of the more frightening moments of Philip K. Dick. Like, that's definitely one of And inside every one of the robot slaves is a tiny human capacitor computer. Ha 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 ha. In this instance, humanity did not manage to destroy itself. They simply had to go underground into hibernation to escape the solar flares. And they left these robots behind in order to protect the Earth, rebuild, and, you know, keep anything from getting too out of control. Mm -hmm. But the gorilla monkeys got out of control with their militaristic ways, and they started bullying the chimp scientist and the orangutan politicians until they took over. Oi, no, no, we're not going down... We're not going down that road. Uh, prove it is not the exact same thing. I can't. Aside from the post-apocalyptic cinematic universe that you're building here, what I will say, and this is this is the thing that kind of keeps me from enjoying this as much as I otherwise might have, is the fact that this is incredibly convoluted. Oh, oh, it is so convoluted. It is layer upon layer upon endless expositionary melodramatic layer. Well, and here, here's the thing. One thing, you know, as a Transformers fan, I recognize that Transformers continuity and keeping all of the different sub-factions and everything straight can suck if you're not, like, familiar with it. But to their credit... When the series started, it was Autobots, Decepticons, end of story. You didn't have, well, there's Gestalts and Headmasters and Target Masters and Triple Changers and Pretenders and and on and on and on. It was just Autobot, Decepticon. In this case, however, there are three factions which are protectors, destructors, and an unaffiliated third faction called Guardians who exist solely to protect the slumbering human beings. Then, within those factions, you have Wastors, Ramors, Trashors, Strazors, Star Runners, Cosmotors, Scouts, Voltors, Stalkors, Battle Stations, and on and on and on. And it's just like, holy shit. Add to that the fact that, not for nothing, but the Starrier's designs do not have the distinctive looks of things like Transformers, where you can look at Optimus Prime and be like, oh yeah, that's Optimus Prime. Whereas with this, there's a whole lot of time spent going, okay, who the fuck was that again? Okay, wait. And and the the funny thing about that is it so this entire comic reminds me the most about playing with random ass toys that you like got as a kid, like like hand-me-downs from cousins and shit. So all of my cousins, my older cousins were kids around the time that this came out, that the original Transformers, original G.I. Joe's, He-Man, all that shit came out, right? And so inevitably, I got some of this stuff. I remember having some Starriers, like crap. 
Right. And I had no idea what the hell it was. Right. You know, it's it's just, it's another mech toy. Cool. Yeah. I'll make it fight this one. Sure. Whatever. You know, and um, it, it wasn't until years later, and still like when I was like nine or, or something, that I got randomly at a, uh, the big comic book store here now, I believe used to be essentially a rental space at a weekly yard sale at an abandoned brewery. Awesome. And well, while wandering that as a nine-year-old child, as one did in the 90s without anyone having concern for that, uh, I bought the this four-issue Star Ears, and I completely forgot about it in terms of reading it and connecting to the toys and realizing, oh my god, this is this is that thing I used to love when I was a kid. Yeah. And it, the comic book is so convoluted and so just like reaching and trying to get a story out of them. It reminds me of that time playing with them as a little kid before I knew what the hell they were. And it's just, okay, what is it? Um, it's it's kind of like a cockpit, but the the lower bit of it moves down. And it it talks and it it, it kind of walks around like like a human, but it's like a robot. And, and you know, like you're just trying to come up with something that you can use for a story to play with. Yeah, and that is entirely this four issue saga it is just oh fuck oh shit um um okay uh and so these ones bang <laughs> and this one's in love with this and and the little ones that that uh really should just be like pets or something no they're fully dialogued and like, yeah they they're in relationships they look like they pathos. should be like mouse droids from star wars just like me 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 um but they are they are they're fully I don't want to say fully formed characters, but you they, know they they have they have like pathos and and you it, it, they're tragic and what the no they're supposed to like go beep beep and yeah. skitter around. Well, and ultimately, I think the upshot of this comic. This is the last thing I'll say vis-a-vis -vis this before we actually get into what this comic <laughs> is i think ultimately this if this were to be made just as a comic if you stripped out all of the star ears bullshit this could be phenomenal oh and this could be any property you just apply it to 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 practically anything that that they they have in the stable uh, I was thinking uh, throughout a lot of it is, God damn, this is so close to like, like Logan's run. This is so close to Beast Wars. This is so close to like, yeah, like it. Yeah, you, you can take it in so many directions. Yeah, it, 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 Planet of the Apes, as I said, it it is failed by how much time they have to spend focusing on the toys. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, so. So the comic itself, this is what we say when we when we say this book went harder than it had any reason to. This was written by Louise Simonson, who, of course, worked on the <laughs> X-Books and Superman. 
penciled by Mike Chen, inked by Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey, colored by Juliana Ferreter, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Anna Senti, with covers by Bill Sinkevich. Which look beautiful, by the way. And, the, you know, the thing about it is, I'll tell you, in my opinion, this is not top shelf Sinkevich, but even, even Sinkevich on his worst day goes harder than a lot of artists, you know? Oh yeah. Like, like if you remove the, the labeling and the logos and all of that crap, you've got a really cool poster, no matter what, every time. Right. Some are better than others. But it, it's always something really it's still cool. It's still Bilson Kevich. It's still like, yeah. fuck yeah, I'm on board. And so the idea behind this is, as we said, humanity long ago went into hibernation because of solar flares. To maintain things while humanity slept, they created these robots, and there were protectors and destructors, the destructors in the intervening centuries have enslaved the protectors. And so our story starts with these protectors who are being made to to sort of just grind up everything that's left and build it into something new. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of hints of Wally. Yeah. Where they're just like going around and collecting garbage and Whatever is interesting, you know, the destructors take, uh, whatever is left over, it's like, yeah, here, here's the actual crap. Go fuck yourselves. Right. Make with it whatever you must. And these robots, these robots use these transfer rings, which again, from the toy line, you could buy a two pack of transfer rings. This is ostensibly what allows them to be repaired if they are damaged is mm -hmm. if they if you don't have a transfer ring then they just have to they're fucked but otherwise they can be repaired and so one of the protectors one of these little mouse droid type protectors finds a human skull and that sets them off on a quest to go and find what is left of humanity while the destructors try to prevent them because it turns out that their leader slaughter Steelgrave. Uh, just like it, let's let's just take a moment to enjoy that for the first time it's been said. Yeah. Slaughter Steelgrave. It is a very 80s. Oh, beautifully 80s. This is a, a robot post-apocalyptic society that is is presumably like this character named himself right and for reasons beyond any that will come to my mind slaughter steelgrave i can understand slaughter if he's like a war robot okay okay cool that's really cringe but fine steelgrave okay there were, All right. there were some really there were some really weird choices this is some really weird choices as far as naming because he's the only one that has a first and a last name yeah uh all of the others generally are just like nipper runabout sawtooth stinger think tank tinker 
yada 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 he's just like no no i'm not gonna yeah. name myself like some bullshit descriptor my name's slaughter Steelgrave. like this is some mass- mr Steelgrave <laughs> to you like yeah this is i mean honestly i look nostalgia is a drug that has ruined a lot of people but I will say the 80s were the golden age of villain names. Absolutely. Because it was, it was like everybody had these awesome fucking names that it's just like, well, you were basically guaranteed to be a villain. I mean, people joke about like Victor Von Doom and shit like that. But seriously, there there was only... No one, no one is going to be like hiring vice president of sales, Slaughter Steelgrave. Yeah, you know, but Slaughter Steelgrave is not only aware that mankind existed. He has gone around and destroyed all of the guardians with, as we find out, the exception of one and destroyed the systems that would have already woken man to begin with so he knows all of this he's purely trying to prevent that information from getting out i will say one other weird name in this book is like one of the destructors is named anti-tank yeah like first of all generally speaking they're not gendered the only exception is Geo, who was specifically created for the comic, who is vaguely feminine in terms of body shape and exists only to die. <laughs> um, specifically to give our hero uh, both a reason to carry on and be heroic and also a right. clear line in the sand of 1984 not gay not gay right was banging the hot robot not gay right geo is definitely the rc of this book but it's it's weird that there is this there is this destructor who is vaguely car-like yeah not even a humanoid robot and they're just like oh hey auntie Oh, yeah. How you doing, Auntie? And and like let 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 me just let me just pause for a moment so that people can you know process that. That's that's stupid. That's stupid. However, this comic later goes on to introduce us to a whole litany of equally stupid ones cascading into a mountain of idiocy that is a giant T Rex. Uh-huh. With the soul of a poet, that is a direct quote, mm-hmm. who is, I believe, blind, but he is, yeah, but is led by a pterodactyl robot. Yeah, it's like, what? Why? Why is this so convoluted? What? What? Why? Yeah. Where? Heart of a poet? You're a giant fuck off dinosaur robot that launches death from its jaws at everything yeah where's the poetry 
I was expecting it to quote Byron and just like, well, murdering people. And it's like, that's all it says is just like quotes of Byron. I, you know, I feel like in this context, soul of a poet just means gets really hard when something blows up. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Dead Eye. Deadeye is the name of this giant Tyrannosaurus Rex thing. <laughs> he is blind and he is he is led around by Cricket who is deaf and unable to speak. <laughs> and I just okay like what does this have to do with anything and it, they, it comes up a bunch of times every character has I, some stupid fucking foible that's like we have four issues of 1980s marvel comics to fill and we can only stack it with so many ads yeah oh my god i think ultimately I feel like a lot of this is sort of vampire rules, <laughs> like in terms of like, well, they've got to have a weakness. It's like Ed 209, where it's just like big badass robot with like machine guns for arms and everything, but can't walk downstairs. We have to give it a weakness or else it's too frightening. And so it's like. Well, he's blind, so if you can take out Cricket, then you're golden. Plus, like, Cricket goes down and Deadeye is just like... Deadeye not only becomes useless because he now no longer knows how to knows where to fire, but also he's just so broken up over his little friend's death that he's just like... I might as well lie down and die. And it's just like, come on, man. You're still a giant T-Rex. Just step on things. Yeah, you're literally slaughtering people by the dozens. And um, correct me if I'm wrong. Cricket was mute, right? Yes. Could not speak. Could not hear. Okay, so could not speak, could not hear. And the T-Rex is, is blind. How? Yes. How did they communicate? Tell me how. Well, so I as I recall from the comics, Cricket makes some noise that, uh, but he's just not able to speak. It's, a, it's just he's like, able to just be like, you know, I don't know. Like, it's a beautiful example of uh, exactly as I said before. You're you're trying desperately to come up with stuff while you're you're playing with these toys and you've written yourself into a corner trying to make a character interesting and like you're trying desperately and failing and it's just oh god yeah. i can't even yeah. come up with one interesting character you know a synopsis for a goddamn giant tyrannosaurus robot without contradicting myself and having the whole thing fall apart Yes, yeah. I was that neurotic as a creative child. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it is, I don't know. Like I said, I, 
I feel like if you stripped out all of the stuff that was mandated by the toy line, this would I would enjoy reading. I would enjoy reading this. I will. I want more of this. That's not just like a whole bunch of like. I'm hotshot. I'm kind of the de facto leader. Yeah, I'd like to see or whatever. Like since this property is dead, like thoroughly dead, I'd like to see what could be done in a revival, where it's like we're we're yeah. not here to sell toys. We're just gonna see if there's any life left in this concept, and yeah. and just take it slow, take it easy, and feel free. My God, feel free to completely redesign everything and 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 and, and reconceptualize what the fuck is happening. Yeah. Like, take the name, yeah. take the basic concept, and go from there. Because oh my sweet lord. Yeah. And yeah, there's a there's a lot of it 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 is hard to keep track of who was who. It there's a lot of exposition and things like that. And then at the end, they just they find humanity. Yeah. It's just like and our quest is over. In in, in and, the headquarters of Cobra. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you yeah. look at that and you're like, oh, that's an 80s playset. That is an 80s yeah. playset. Yeah, I mean, if you if you got this thing and you had no Star Ears, you could absolutely you it it is. It's a Cobra playset. <laughs> so, I I am this <laughs> this is one of those things. I do I want to reach out to Louise Simonson and be like, "So how much how much did you have how much control did you have? Because I know, like, with things like Transformers and G.I. Joe, we have a pretty good timeline of how things worked out. You know, with Transformers, we know Hasbro came in with the toys and they, like, handed them to Bob Budiansky and they were just like, here you go. And Bob Budiansky was the one who named them all and came up with their personalities and things like that uh gi joe larry hama was in there writing all of the the file cards and uh i think archie goodwin is the one who came up with the name for cobra and things like that i want to know like was this a situation like that or did they have a pretty good idea of how all all of this was going to shake out and they were just like, go write it. Well, there there is a possible clue to that. So I never, I, or at least I don't re seem to recall ever seeing these, but there apparently were mini comics that came with some of the characters. And, you know, right. like, uh, uh, you, you get a, a tiny little, like, 10-page comic that uh, details right. mostly the toy that you just got. And through those like with uh, Masters of the Universe. Exactly, exactly like with Masters of the Universe. And through that, you got the basic story that this entire comic book tells without the convoluted story beats uh, and, and without some of the more complex 
areas like like uh, the betrayals and the uh, the deeper emotions. It's it's more straightforward. So I do believe that she was handed a a basic synopsis of this toy line is kind of about this struggle you know from right. a to b and that's what yeah. we need and we've already filled out you know let, let's say half of the alphabet and we just need you to kind of come up with stuff that kind of rhymes with e right b ooh that's a good one yeah well and so ultimately you do you get these you get these weird things so like we have these two trash ores <laughs> tinker and nipper nipper is the one who finds the skull and is promptly destroyed for like it like immediately and they're able to resurrect her which which is like it's all over the place because within first two to three pages this character dies and immediately another character and, and and you think okay so it's it's just a like a, a little gopher robot whatever it, it it's been destroyed maybe gopher robots are super disposable here and it's kind of like kicking a dog you know not something that you do if you're a good guy but something that bad guys do all the time uh right and then immediately another one just like it starts emoting all over the goddamn place like you're supposed to care about it it's like okay okay right. maybe apparently it matters uh so i'm sorry okay and then they bring it back to life and it doesn't fucking matter and then it dies again later and it matters it's like uh yeah you you have you you've been told by the toy line it has to be interchangeable so all of these have to be like on the same intellectual level even the small little ones so because all the pieces are interchangeable in the toys that you could you could swap right. out legs and shit and at the same time you have to like I include a story reason for all of that that makes convoluted sense to this bizarre world and it just becomes a spaghetti of madness yeah. madness i tell you and then when Nipper is repaired, she loses her memory. And so instead of being in love with Tinker, she falls in love with Crank. Yep. And Tinker is upset, but he's just like, I love her so much. You know, I just want her to be happy. Uh, and Crank is like, I don't want any of this. And I'm just sitting here going, okay. Yeah. What, like, what, what is with this? bizarrely like shakespearean comedic d plot why why are we doing this why is it, i understand yeah. it's because we just need anything any of these characters might pop off and be what makes this entire product run work right therefore we have to pack as many characters in and they all have to be important and it means that they are uh, none of them are important like I remember yeah. the skitters. I'm I keep calling them that because that's that's what they remind me of from Red Dwarf, uh, and that's what they should be like. Like uh, even George Lucas understood enough to make R two D two more or less silent. Right. It 
it, it's about character at that size and and just ah uh, i i would love to have seen the look on louise simonson's face when she was told no you have to make these fully voiced fully emotive characters and she's just like it has doesn't have a face the yeah. artist has nothing to work with yeah yeah i don't know it's make make the car have a personality o okay but like are they all cars with personality no this one's in a humanoid form okay so it it gets in the other car and they drive around what's that like what's the dynamic why why is this fucking thing so convoluted uh right. it hurts my brain yeah it hurts my brain and breaks my body down I don't, I don't know. Like I said, there's a, there is a lot here that is incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. Like I recommend you read it because absolutely, absolutely. Like it's interesting. It's, it's worth a read for the, just like the failed bizarreness that could have been. That is. Yeah. It's, there were so many attempts in the 80s to get toy lines to turn into massive cultural events a la Transformers and He-Man and G.I. Joe and all of that. And Marvel had a lot to do with it. So this seemed like a winning formula. So sure. that it crapped out was kind of like, well, too bad, so sad, sorry. There's a couple of others in that vein that we'll eventually cover. There, there were a lot of like this was this period of time really was sort of a throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Like Cabbage Patch dolls have a cannon. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everything. I mean, every time you turn around like something, you know, I'm I'm amazed like you get you get deep into the lore of shit and it just gets weird. Oh yeah. Yeah, and especially at this time like we're going to do an episode a special episode on the regulations that changed that led to this onslaught of comic books helping to define toys to sell the toys directly to the kids cuz right. that didn't exist before Reagan. There was there was actually like rules that made it illegal to do that, right? So we're going to have an episode where we dive into that. But yeah, there was just an onslaught of anything, anything might work, and it continued up into the '90s when it's like when 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 they hit on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as like the replacement for Transformers and GI Joe and He Man, and suddenly it sprang out like, okay, all you need is four basic characters and some weird goddamn like aspect to it so you get street sharks you get biker mice from mars like this this early wild west spawns so many mad crazy out there ideas that like yeah yo know, it, it doesn't slow down from here but holy yeah. shit the things that don't work are, are really fascinating it's it's like watching a car crash that you know it, and then the cars kind of like 
too cheap to be happy about it. Or it's like your car and you're like, ah, oh, oh, look at it do a flip. Ah, oh, oh, I still had stuff in there. It's on fire now. Like, that's really cool. But also, oh, no. Oh. And it is, it is, it's interesting. Like, so much of it is luck. So much of it is hitting at the right time and filling a particular niche, mm-hmm. you know, because GoBots failed and Transformers took off, even though GoBots predates Transformers. But it was just like people weren't people weren't there for that. And then suddenly they were. And, and you and know, this, I feel, failed because by then the market was saturated with the monolithic success of the Transformers. And so it's like, oh, good, more robots fighting, yeah. you know, good robots fighting bad robots. I've seen yeah. this before. And that, as awesome as his name is, Slaughter Steelgrave is not megatron no no he's not now speaking of there there is in the copy that i got of this comic now you you got a, a scan you were telling me that uh was just the comic pages no, none of the original right. ads i've got beautiful beautiful 1984 ads like like for the richard Pryor cartoon show and uh, Fig Newtons and Hubba Bubba, you know, early video games. It's it's gorgeous. Uh, I love it. At the nearing the end of the fourth issue, there's a really curious ad, and it's for uh, I, of all people, I gotta say it. It's for Transbots, and the images that you see are the original generation of transformers like there's the original megatron that transforms into a luger and you could fire caps from it and if you brought it to school you'd get in a shit ton of trouble and there's starscream yeah. and like a, another character that i don't even recognize it might become Soundwave. uh and and there's the original descriptions like the leader you know uh, before they yeah. they recognize like okay we're, we need to give the main character a better name than the leader let's call him optimus prime and that's how that was created kids it's it's fascinating uh at this point as you pointed out uh in our discussion before the episode uh transformers at this point was a thing like these were already established characters where the hell is this ad from is is it is it like leftover from a campaign from a few years later and it's like oh it's already picked up but we we paid for 24 issues we're getting our 24 issues it's just well fascinating what i'm what i'm wondering is because i found the ad you're talking about the thing about it is some of the some of the things it's talking about don't add up like none of it adds up. It's so confusing. Well, it it talk because it talks about when you first look at the ad, it's talking about a cassette bot uh transforming communicator disguised as a cassette recorder 
your first thought is Soundwave, but uh, it then says it transforms into either a Jaguar or plane. And so I'm I'm wondering what I'm wondering is they were just kind of using the images of the Transformers because that is how they were trying to fool people into thinking it was. <laughs> you you send us ten dollars and we'll send you a random toy that we imported from Hong Kong. I'm looking I'm looking at it and a lot of this it seems like they were just knockoffs and the ad was meant to make you think they are meant to be transformers but they're really not. The only one I'm not sure about is there's one that says transforming camera mm, yeah which is a Disguised as a camera and it takes pictures of the enemy trenches and then transforms into three robots. That does sound like Reflector. I, yeah, I remember that toy very specifically. And also that toy always felt cheaper than the other ones. So I always wondered if it was like an outside <laughs> a fake transformer or some shit. Well, I mean, it was... It was an official transformer, but you got to bear in mind that we're we're getting way off the rails here. Yeah. Um, you got to re- you got to bear in mind that they did draw from several different toy lines and from different periods of those toy lines. God, that so, makes far too much sense. We're gonna get into that. So yeah, but anyway, back to Star Wars. But yeah, uh, so so gluttonous was the market at this point that. The wonderful standards at editorial for Marvel ran this ad, essentially just being like, robot toys, fucking have them. It, it's incredible. It, it, uh, no wonder yeah. that this failed. There's far too many. There's, there's just, it's, it's a glut. There's too many. The market will burst. We done have too many fighting robots. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's rough, but whatever. <laughs> like I said, go read this book because it is it's interesting. And like I said, if nothing else, there's some awesome Bilson Kevich covers. So go check it out. Absolutely. And if you like this episode, please like, share and subscribe and leave a comment. It really helps us get noticed. Join us next time. We're going to be talking about the tops uh adaptation of bram stoker's dracula the best comic book adaptation ever ever uh i don't know gasp an american tale five goes west that comic i had that shit that was some good shit. changed my life I, that that was some <laughs> legit shit that was some legit shit yeah join us next time <laughs> yes Bye. Bye.